All right, college basketball fans, welcome in to episode 37 of Mad About Hoops. I'm your college basketball friend, Timmy Hall. He's your college hoops friend, Evil Bald Colin. Evil, what's going on, man? Last couple of days of February here. Time to celebrate, right? Yeah, Tim, it's time to celebrate, but it's also time to celebrate conference tournament starting because we already have one technically underway. Uh, the first couple of games started the other day on Thursday, and then it'll pick up next week. But we have a couple of tournaments already getting underway, and I know that it's you and I both excited. We are very excited because, you know, I was a part of a small conference myself. I went to school at Weber State for a couple of years, and it was one of the most enjoyable times of my life as a basketball fan. And Evil, it just I remember it so well because that Weber State Wildcats team, while it was not the famous one everyone likes to recall with Harold the Show Arsenault and Eddie Gill doing their thing against North Carolina back in the late 90s, this was early 2000s. We had a dude named Jermaine Boyette. The coach recruited the whole team out of Chicago. But long story short, they didn't lose a single game in the Big Sky regular season. And what I love about small conferences, the winner of the regular season gets that leg up and gets to host their conference tournament, which is what happened there. And Weber went into the semifinals with the bye and beat Eastern Washington in a great championship game and then got to play Wisconsin in the NCAA tournament in Spokane, Washington. I took the bus trip up there. It just reminds me of that and just good times in life. So give it up for the small conference tournaments. We will get into that. Evil Bald Colin has a great mid-major flavor when it comes to that. And I have a scorching blazing hot take that I've got to make as we head into March here. So it's all coming up. Just sit back, relax, enjoy yourselves. We're okay. We're Ohio State fans, and the refs screwed us out of a basketball game at Michigan State, but we're still going to have fun. This is Mad About Hoops. Five to go. Lewis has been awesome. Let's it go. Inbounds Turner, left side of the backcourt. Turner crossed the timeline, throws it from high on the right. He, he hit it! He hit it, he Evan Turner! It. He hit it just inside of half court! Lane's on the other wing. He finds oh. 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 oh! oh! Sent it in, Jerome! <laughs> College basketball! This is March Madness! All right, once again, I'm Timmy Hall. He is Evil Bald Colin. We are a couple of days away. Come Monday, not to do a Jimmy Buffett song right there, but come Monday, it'll be all right. I'll be holding you tight, Evil, because it's the month of March, and March Madness <laughs> is here. I'm just so happy for it. You got any traditions or things that you've got to tidy up or get ready just to well, I have think, the month here? I think I can speak for a lot of people. You might like mid-major basketball, but I don't think you really realize how much you like it until you realize that you have the uh, the old ESPN Plus account and you have to remember to log in to get back in so that you can watch all these conference tournament games because majority of these small conferences put their games exclusively on that outlet. So I was watching a little bit of the... Uh, Detroit Mercy game versus, uh, I believe it was uh, Robert Morris the other Bob day. Bob Morris. Yes, yeah. Bob Morris, yes. And just games like that where the average fan probably doesn't care, but mm -hmm. because it's the conference tournament of the Horizon League, like a game that's like the third round before the semifinals, like I I'm, I'm up for it. 
You know, I did see uh, we, of course, our employees at 97.1 The Fan, wonderful radio station in central Ohio. So we do our work out of those studios or remote studios. That's how it is with the pandemic. But it was cool to see Youngstown State get by UIC. So since we're starting there, I'll, I'll leave we'll leave the best for last, the scorching hot take that I think you were going to absolutely take me to task on. So that'll be near the end of the pod here. But mid-major flavors off the front. And, and hey, you say that about ESPN. ESPN Plus, before we dive into the Horizon League tournament and then look at the America East and the Big South, which they certainly, both of those leagues, have some teams that might threaten to win a game or two in the NCAA tournament. So we'll get into that. But there's so much stuff to watch on TV. Like, it's, you mentioned having the login to get the special ESPN Plus games. That must mean that your sickness for this sport is at an all-time level because you don't even need those extras to you can't I have a two tv setup as you know I went to it since I bought this house four years ago my wife hates it because it is in like the main room of our house where we watch WandaVision and shows and movies and all that stuff but we'll just I'll leave the left screen off you know when we're in that mode but I can't even watch everything I want to watch with the two screens Sometimes I'll have to bring the Roku TV and set it on the bricks on the fireplace to get a third game going because you've got M- you've got CBS Sports Network, right? You've got ESPNU, ESPN2, ESPN, Big Ten Network. There's four or five games. FS1, right, with Big East play. Oh, yeah. There's four or five, sometimes six games going on at one time. But yet you're doing the streaming stuff as well. I love it about you. Well, what I used to love is that when PlayStation used to have their own streaming site called PlayStation View, you could actually do like the four-corner screen thing. So especially oh. this time of year where you could put like a Horizon League game on one, oh. Ohio Valley on the other, Missouri Valley, so on and so forth. That's, like, that's amazing. That's when you could really go deep into it, and the, the sickness really came out of me. But no, yeah, this is a uh, PlayStation the, View. Yeah, they they canceled the uh, the service or whatever it was about a and year and a half ago. You could do that at all times with any programming. Just make a four screen box with TV. Yeah, as long as it was one wow. of the uh, cable channels that had come with it. Yeah. Boy, imagine if you had one of those like eighty inch TVs to do that. <laughs> I mean, you are you're living large. You don't even need the multi screens. But most of the streaming services and I know DirecTV, they never even gave you that option. The DirecTV thing sucked. It was like a little tiny box that you could pick left corner, right corner, lower right or lower left, you know. But it wasn't like all the way off to the corner. They kind of put it into the middle of the screen so it was blocking your other picture. It sucked. That sounds awesome what you had. I I never had that with the PlayStation. I wasn't in that phase. Yeah, I I wish it was still around because, again, I would still be using it today. But, uh, yeah, it's really crucial, especially within the next week or so because we're kind of in a lull where we get a few starting this weekend it kind of starts to pick up more towards the middle of the week, towards the end of next week, where we'll get a lot of the mid-major tournaments going. We actually have, I think the biggest one that we have starting is, I believe, March 4th would be the A-10 tournament. So it's it's really going to start picking up here fast. You know, the one thing that disappointed me, though, when we were about to talk about these small conference tournaments is... I can't. Did you do this last year? Did you set up the construct and then we got wiped out of most of it? The bigger conference tournaments. I think we were right. Yeah, that was the first time you got me in on it. Yeah. Pool, so what I did, pool. what I did is I edited like an Excel sheet to uh, program pretty much picking conference tournament champions and runner-ups of uh, all the conference tournaments. And we, I, I, I can't forget how many we were in. It couldn't have been. It was, it was all of them. It was all. It well, was all the tournaments. We had. We were going to. Yes, but I think we didn't get them all in. I yeah. think we had about maybe half of them filled out by that point before everything shut down. 
And yeah, that kind of killed the whale a little bit. I'm not going <laughs> to I, I still to say I still say you should set something up. I know. I mean, we've got today. The only one that actually began I, I mean, was we the can, Horizon. We can at minimum do it between each other because, I, I mean, I'm doing it personally, like, handwritten on my own over here. So Then, then we need to because the interesting thing with this Horizon League is they played the, some on-campus games, which is cool how they started off on campus. you got to do it that way to get into the bigger part of the bracket. And they're not playing again, I think, until Tuesday. So that's the next Sounds round of games. Right. And the other ones don't start until tomorrow. So we actually are ahead of it. And you know what? Even if you jump in, like I've started fantasy football leagues, like in smaller family leagues that weren't for money, but just more for fun. Even if you couldn't get everybody set up by week one, if there were scheduling conflicts, well then, so what? Wipe out week one. Let's do the draft anyway. That way we all get guys that aren't injured and let's go for week two. And the other thing is the famous player pool draft. I will be working <laughs> vigorously here over the next week and a half oh, to yeah. set that up. But man, I think this is great because, and you know what? I, we haven't done this enough. The uh, We have a, an email at the podcast that you guys can get to. It's madabouthoopspodcast at gmail.com. Real easy, right? Madabouthoopspodcast at gmail.com. And that's the time to tell you, wherever you're listening to us, please give us a little rating and a review as well and tell all your college hoops friends about us and trying to grow this thing. But tell us what you play game-wise with small conference tournaments, big conference tournaments, how you play the games beyond just the traditional bracket pool for March Madness. Because this player pool thing that we do is it's just wildly fun and now with the pandemic evil it'll be really easy to do and fun mm -hmm. you don't have to do anything online you just get everybody in a zoom and somebody the commissioner can just chart it as we go along you could have a little poster board where everyone can see it in the picture window and everyone honestly should be paying attention and writing the freaking names down as they're drafted but it should be a good time just one night get it knocked out and then we go yeah no i think the player pool one actually kind of plays into our strengths a little bit more because i mean if I remember the rules correctly, you have to pick like a team, a player on a team that's like lower than a twelve seed, thirteen or, 13 lower. or 13. lower. Thirteen, yeah, you don't get off with those twelves. <laughs> you got to go thirteen or lower. Uh huh. That uh, is cool. I mean, even if that's the case, I mean, if like this Detroit team makes a run, the guy that I'm going to talk about later, oh, yeah. if he's down there and he's averaging like twenty three points a game, I'm going to take a stab at him. And probably the average person joining in this isn't even going to know the guy. So let's do it. So Detroit Mercy beats Robert Morris 83-73, to and this has got to be one of the most prolific scoring games in the basketball season. Yeah, he's actually, this this guy is actually, I think, 0.4 points below Luca Garza for the uh, highest scoring average in the country. And I, I actually kind of shorted him when I said 23 points. He's actually averaging now he's because he scored. Now. He scored 24.3. He's he tied scored with him. He scored 46 points in a game Man, against Robert Morris in the first round of this Horizon League tournament, and it's none, other, none other than Antoine Davis, who actually is the son of former Indiana coach. He's actually the coach now at D Detroit Mercy, so he's coaching his kid, Mike Davis. Or uh, Mike yeah, Mike Davis. Davis. Yeah, of course, the guy who had the led Indiana to the final task. four, and I believe oh yeah. one. Yeah, something like that. It was the championship game. That's when Maryland and Maryland. Gary Williams. Yes, that's right. That was the uh, probably the last title for the Big Ten, even though Maryland's not in the, wasn't in the Big Ten, right? Because wasn't Michigan State a year or two before that? Yes, but Team Cleves, I believe, was uh, 2000. So I think it was 02. Yeah. I think it was 02 for Maryland 02. and 01, the 02. year before that with Mateen Cleves and Michigan State. But that's a good pull out of you. Yeah, no, this, this Antoine Davis kid is really fun to watch. I turned this on a little bit. I mean, he is legitimately, when you look at the box score, box score he was the offense. Like, there's, there's no shorting that. This guy... 
is like Kemba Walkering this season for this team with the Spartans and or the Titans. And I believe I picked Detroit to be my runner-up, losing to actually Wright State in the championship game of this because they reseed, so it's going to look a little bit different. Right. Um, but I had them losing to the Raiders in the final of this because, quite honestly, he's good enough to carry them, and they beat pretty much everybody in their path. That's that's exciting. So I don't know a whole lot about him. I'm looking at him right now. He's a six foot one junior guard. He's tiny, right? Or he's very slender. Six foot one is decent size in a league like that to be a guard. But 165 pounds. I see he was born in Birmingham, Alabama, which that works, right? Because his dad was coaching at UAB. Yes, UAB. Yes. What year? That was. He started so in 06, I believe. That's weird how he was born in Birmingham because he was at Indiana until 06. Unless I'm just that bad at math. I mean, 2006 to 2020 puts you at 16 years old. Why don't I just look at the I mean, he played uh, Davis Davis played at Alabama when he played college basketball. I mean, he's probably got roots there. Yeah. I mean, we don't know what the family situation is, but sure. That what kind of player was he? Like when you were watching it, because I wasn't in on this game, was he just completely taking over? Oh Is, yeah, of course. I mean, he's a twenty-four point per game guy. But do you look at this being the conference that's around him, or is he truly a next level type of player? Well, I don't know because it's, honestly, he's averaging twenty-four point three points per game. But on, he averaged more when he was a freshman. He averaged twenty-six point one last year. He averaged twenty-four point three. So this is guy. This guy's been consistent. Yes, obviously the Horizon League is nothing to. Uh, it's nothing stiff, to be honest with you, but there's some pretty decent teams in there. Wright State's been pretty good the past couple of years. Uh, Northern Kentucky's had a couple good teams, but I, he, he just looks good for the quality of uh, opposition he's facing, honestly. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, I just the reason I ask, I sometimes go and peruse NBADraft.net. That's been like one of my favorite draft sites since college. Those, I think those guys do a good job. I don't know which ones you flock to. There's there's a ton of good options I mean, he's, out there. He scored 24 points against Michigan State this year. That's good. Yeah, that's pretty good. And just because you're not on one of these mock drafts, it's only a two-round deal, uh, as we know, in right, the NBA. Right. And there's a lot of ways. Just look at our own Jay Sean Tate, who it still just doesn't it boggle your mind Like when you talk about him. And I know the Rockets <laughs> suck right now, but for him to be starting on an NBA team – is a tremendous job when you think about some of the talent that has come through Ohio State. And you've, I mean, Kate Bates Diop was the player of the year, and he's not having a great go of it. I don't even know if he's on an NBA roster actually today, as we're recording on February 26th here. But Jay Sean Tate is, and he's getting some top five consideration for rookie of the year, and he's only going to get better. Like, he's just beginning. Yeah, that's just a weird career arc, man, because I, I did have doubts when he graduated if he had the game type to play in the NBA, and especially with his size, I think he was only like 6'4", six, 6'5", six, with the position that he played. He obviously played bigger than what he was, but he was at a severe disadvantage going into the league, but it kind of looks like he revolutionized his game a little bit in the fact that he just looks more athletic out there, if that makes sense. Yeah, so that's cool. That is a great mid-major flavor, so give it up for Antoine Davis from Detroit Mercy. That's the fighting Dickie V's. You knew that, right? Dick Vitale. I did, yes. Being the head coach there, so that's great. It's it's cool. Like You think of Detroit, the Motor City, and the pride with the sport, right, and with the game, and what Michigan State and what Michigan is doing right now to see some of those smaller programs, like the Mac schools up there and a Detroit Mercy. It's it, It's cool to... 
to see them doing well. And I know I know they haven't been great here recently. 11 and 20, 8 and 23 last year, but a big turnaround for them to be 10 and 6 in the conference for Mike Davis and he's been he's been a good coach. He's been a good coach. He's had to he's got to earn it time and time again. Stops at Indiana, UAB, Texas Southern and now here at Detroit Mercy. But to finish up here with uh us riffing well, he on always, these conferences. He always had yeah, really he always had really good seasons down at Texas Southern because that was a team I always remembered especially in the SWAC, whenever I was trying to think of teams out of the SWAC oh, yeah. that could make he a run. He made it four times. He made four tournaments there. Yeah, no, he, he had a pretty decent program there. He did. He, I'm, I'm looking at his run at Texas Southern, 16-2, and 12-6, and 16-2, 16-2, 16-2, four championships and two second-place finishes and four trips to the big dance. That's phenomenal. I mean, that, the, the SWAC's job. probably the worst conference in college basketball. But, 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 at but the same he dominated time, it, Yeah, though. if you're dominating it. Got to give you the tip of the cap there. You're playing your competition, and you're beating it handedly like that, and that gets you opportunities elsewhere when you have to take a step down and then climb your way back up. But the other two, the American East Championship, the Mm -hmm. America East Conference Tournament, excuse me, which has an old favorite, right? The UMBC (laughs) Retrievers and some Vermont Catamounts. I know you and I are big fans of both of those programs. I remember vividly being in the building when I was a student, Lawrence, Kansas, the Vermont Catamounts took a bye game, came on in and almost knocked off the Jayhawks. It was exciting. And then that same team would wind up beating Syracuse in a famous NCAA tournament game with Oh, TJ Sorrentine, I want to say, if I pulled that out of my ass correctly, to hit the shot. I think it was a Jerry McNamara Syracuse team, but love both of those schools, man. So that should be fun to watch that conference tourney play Yeah, I think that one is kind of everybody just predicts it's going to be one versus two at one point. I believe UMBC gets the home game because of the one seed. Uh, they split their season series. One was a high-scoring game that you, or Vermont won, and the game that UMBC won was actually a low-scoring game. It kind of tells you how the two styles of off, or teams want to play. UMBC wants to play a low-scoring type of game. Vermont wants to get up and get going and put points on the board. Um, I personally picked UMBC to win it. I think they have a little bit better with their duo of uh, RJ Edelrock and Brandon Horvath are a pretty good one-two combo punch for them. Um, but it's it's going to be fun. I, I I think Vermont's got that edge in them because they couldn't get to the the, the, uh, the NCAA tournament because there was obviously none for Anthony Lamb's senior year, so they're going to be hungry to do that. But <laughs> if you're a team seeing UMBC on the other side of that uh, seed line for you come tournament time, it's, uh, it's not going to be fun. Who was the famous Vermont basketball coach back then? Tom Brennan. Okay, yeah. Sounds Tom about, Brennan, yeah, famous right. name there, had great success. I was correct. As you were going there, TJ Sorrentine, I got to pull up the schedule from 2005, and Taylor Copenrath was the stud. He was the big guy. Sorrentine was the guard who could hit shots on the outside. That was the first game of the season when Vermont went to KU. It was a 68-61 game. They gave all the Jayhawks could handle and more. And they beat Syracuse in overtime, 60-57. to Then they would lose to a fifth-seed Michigan State in a good game, 72-61. to And, of course, UMBC, if we want to talk about tournament history, maybe only one of the best moments of all time. <laughs> it's the only 16 to beat a one, a day that'll just live forever. So that's it's just incredible with what, what the Retrievers have done. And their social media game. I know there's been stories. I don't have the name right now, but... <laughs> Whoever is on the handles, I know that guy, he's 
he knows what he's doing. Like that is that's how you do it. You just look at the UMBC men's basketball Twitter account and just how they know how to poke the right amount of fun, but to never cross those lines and keep it light. It's just great stuff. And and the other one, the Big South evil with mm-hmm. Winthrop, who is just a great basketball team and could go to the Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, Winthrop's a very interesting team because it's not like they have a star-studded lineup, but they're just very deep, and they average close to almost 80 points a game, uh, 17-1 on the season. Their only loss was a road game, I believe, to UNC Asheville. This kind of feels like it's Winthrop and whoever just kind of decides to come out of the other side of the bracket. You have Campbell. Uh, Gardner-Webb, who I actually predicted as the sixth seed, going to make a run. fighting Holtmans. Yes, the running, uh, running Bulldogs. I think they have a really good one-two punch with their lineup too can score a lot of points uh I, I it just feels like a Winthrop's conference to lose and if they do it's gonna be I feel like it's gonna be something where a couple years ago we had like a Bradley run through the Missouri Valley out of nowhere that was like a 500 team really didn't have a whole lot going for it but they just got hot at the right time I think that's what it would have to take for Winthrop not to be the automatic qualifier yeah, what seed line would you? Where would you be cool with Winthrop? Winthrop. I mean, they're, they're they might fit in. We talk about our bracket pool. They might sneak right into that thirteen line, and that would be a great place to go and get one of their players. Maybe get a uh, who is it? Vaudrin, their top player right now. Yes. Josh Corbin, mm-hmm. or uh, yeah, they just have a bunch of guys. They have two guys averaging in double figures, so that is kind of a tough one there. Chandler Vaudrin and Adonis Arms the two guys in double figures, but they have two more that are averaging like nine and Corbin averages like eight, and he just had a big game for him in their last time out. Yeah, they're a very deep team, like I said. I believe, yes, a 13C kind of fits where their team profile is, and unfortunately for you, I believe Lunardi actually has Winthrop lining up with Kansas, but I, I do think oh. I do think Kansas actually matches up better with this Winthrop team than they would have with a Belmont team that I talked about last week. Well, look, I mean, that's why they're upsets, right? Of course. It's, of course. it's one game. I, I tell you what, though, as much as we talked on a recent pod where Kansas was finding their sea legs, that, that doesn't mean that I have supreme confidence in the Jayhawks to go to a Final Four. If we want to be honest, you don't, you don't necessarily make this about past teams, but something gets in the air. Aren't you a believer of that, too? Like, <laughs> Kansas just throughout history, has choked in the tournament. They've been so good. I mean, how many one seeds do you think Kansas has had in the last 20 years? 12 or 13? It's got to be something crazy, right? And how many championships have they won? One. Just one. The thing about this Kansas team that kind of concerns me is they're not very prolific on offense of why they might have been the past couple of seasons. Uh, they're very good on okay. the yeah. defensive side. I mean, you got David McCormick, who's a really good post player. Well, I've right. actually really enjoyed watching He'll him miss blossom. Dunks, though. Yeah. yeah, he had a really good game <laughs> against Texas recently, and they should have pulled that out against Texas, and it was just a, a complete failure oh, at the end. I, I actually watched most of that one, and I was a bit angry. It was that tough. Was angry Kansas fan there. But even then, you're, you're talking about really the two guys you're coming into the season you were looking for to kind of carry the offense, Marcus Garrett and Ochai Abaje. They've done a lot better in recent games, which is why they're in the stretch that they're on, but they just haven't really... They're learning to develop into those go-to scorer type of players because they weren't like that beforehand. All right, we, we'll try to get some rest, so we'll keep, we'll keep this podcast a little bit on the shorter side for this edition because... With the calendar flipping to March here, we're going to be working overtime <laughs> and our brains are going to be frazzled. So you'll get that that scorching hot take that I'm I'm taking it to the bank and I'm full and serious about this. 
I think you play the odds. It's it's the correct call. Evil, don't you even try to talk me down on it. And we'll also hit that Ohio State-Michigan State game. And when do you need to not talk about officials? And when can you just go to bed at night thinking that you got screwed out of a game? So we'll hit on that. We'll take a zero-second break. You've got Mad About Hoops right here. All right, Tim, I already know what you're going to bring up because we talked about it before we came on, but for those that don't know where you're going with this little hot take you got coming, how about you just come out and say it? All right, here it is. You would be stupid to put Gonzaga as your national champion. I'm very intrigued to hear. Don't do it. (laughs) Why? Don't do it, man. And it's not that they're – I'm not – Oh, man. Gonzaga fans are going to get really pissed off at me. They'll be upset. They'll they'll tell me what a loser I am. You're an Ohio State fan. You've got six losses this year. We I might do it. Floor I might you. join them. You might you might join them, <laughs> but you'd be you'd be wrong. And even if you're right, you'd be wrong because it's just a tremendous risk. Colin, there is a reason why no one can go undefeated in this sport. Okay, mm-hmm. it just isn't going to happen. And you know, I know Jalen Rose was saying this, and we were watching coverage. You know, we, we listen to the game on the radio, but we also have the ESPN coverage up there in Farnham and and Seth Greenberg. They were both on it too. Like, did you see what Michigan did to Iowa? They are hitting their stride and then some. And we know Ohio State; they're capable too. They are. I'm not getting off of them as a national championship contender with what they can do offensively and their depth, and how you never know like which guy is going to pop up. Justin Ahrens is just like a sleeping lethal weapon. He's been down now, and I truly think that's a big reason why they lost these two games. They've I gotten agree. a donut out of one of the most lethal shooting weapons. Something got into his head here, and he's just got to climb his way out of it, and I trust that he will, and that the team will too, but... Well, can you even say that? He's not even... Okay, real quick on the Justin thing. Because I I don't know if I really agree if it's in his head because he's not getting the chances because he can't get open. Like, he's not even making the shot. That's on him, though. That's on him. That's fair. He's six foot six. He's nimble, right? I would love for Justin Arns to develop another another uh, facet of his game. I'd love to be able to see him create his own (laughs) shot. I mean... Take, like, take that dribble... Knife into the lane and sh- face up, square up, lean into the hoop and hit that jump shot. You yeah. cannot tell me that you don't practice that on the court, right? Oh, that sure. you don't move inside the three-point line here and hit like 600 of those 15-foot jump shots in your sleep. What You are that lethal. But the transition layups that he tried to get was <laughs> uh, it was embarrassing. I mean, I'm sure he sees that and says, oh, my God. Like, that's... That's a come to Jesus moment. Like I got to be better than that. If I see the hoop, I'm like I said, I'm six foot six. I have a stride. I'm not one of these five eleven guys that is in a small conference and needs to be set up for all the shots. And anyone can just learn to get a beautiful stroke and knock him down. This guy should be thinking about next level, like with the body that he's been graced with. So let's go, man. But back to Gonzaga, mm-hmm. like back to the story here, because I'm saying Ohio State is a team that's capable of beating them. I am. I just. They haven't won a title yet, so I've got that on my side. And what I usually fall back on is the conference that they play in. I think it's a huge factor. It doesn't mean, clearly it doesn't mean they can't beat these teams because they stack up their schedule now in the non-conference, and they are great with it. But it has to be so 
frustrating now to continually see these great teams, one seeds, right? We just talked about Kansas, all the one seeds that Gonzaga has piled up now, and they have not won a national championship. They made it to that final game one time. They were close. I was pulling for them. Believe me, I did not want to see North Carolina and that nasty baby blue and Roy Williams win another one and to see him leave Kansas with zilch and pick up a third with the Tar Heels. But I just think they've got another world coming to them. I think they're out. Here's what I'm telling you. They're not winning the title. And the hottest of hot takes is they'll be out in the 16 oh, or the 8. On. No final four. No final four oh, for Gonzaga. On. Okay. I, I will bring up and this. You, you're going to need to give me something now when it happens. <laughs> and I'll give you something if they make it to the final That's four. That's fair. Even I if they don't win the championship, I'll give you something if they go to the final four. I will bring up the fact that I bring up Almost every single year, whenever I'm trying to decide who I'm going to put in my bracket as my champion, I always do two things. It's one, or first off, it's the ESPN BPI. So I always look, since 2010, the team that has won the national title outside of the Shabazz Napier UConn year, but that was the one exception. Since 2010, the champion has been one of two things. Well, they, they've had to be both things. In the top three of okay. ESPN BPI, which currently right now that is Gonzaga, Baylor, and Houston, although I expect Michigan to overtake Houston at any point now. You do Ken um, Palm too. I know and you do Ken that. Palm. So Ken Palm yeah. top 10 in both offensive and defensive efficiency, which right now on that stat, it's Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan, Michigan, and that looks I don't think there's anybody it. else that's yeah. top 10 in both. So no. really, I, I think my, my champion's coming down to one of those three teams. I personally right now feel that Gonzaga's the best team in the country, and it's by a, a pretty wide gap. And I, I would say that Gonzaga, or Gonzaga, then tier two is Michigan and Baylor. And I would put Michigan as the, what do you call it, two way in that situation. Um, I just have watched. But look, man, I, I'm, I understand I'm telling you. The, the competition you... is, it's weak. And I, I understand like their biggest non-conference wins is like a, a Virginia team that's slumping right now. I, I totally this get is, it. This is the one thing that is the hardest for Vegas to do, right? Sure. Is to take a great team like Gonzaga, like Gonzaga who can <laughs> clearly mop the floor with anyone in the country on their best night, but tournament mode is just something different. There is a reason why we call this March Madness, and there is a reason why it captures America and even the fans that don't flock to college basketball all year long because it has you have to expect the unexpected to a certain case. More often than not, the cream's going to rise to the top, and you'll get several one seeds into the final four. But it is, I mean, we can't even do a podcast on how many times a one seed has been knocked off early. I mean, it wouldn't be that crazy to not see them in the final four. Like, we wouldn't. Mm -hmm. We wouldn't just say, oh, forget the rest of the tournament. I'm not going to watch anymore because we're not going to have a true champion because Gonzaga is not going win to win it all. We're not going to do that. You are going to have people who respect the fact that great teams have taken their lumps because of the competition. I honestly believe that when these Big Tens get in, a lot of them are going to roll. I think you're going to see maybe five of them onto the Sweet 16, something like that. Like They are going to wow. be really good. And I just – there's that team out there – like I picture I picture an Arkansas who I'm really growing fond of or an Alabama, somebody like that, someone who's just a tough team that's pretty good, balanced, maybe not that top 10 in both of the adjusted offense and defense, Ken Palm, like you're talking about, but they're top 20, top 25. Maybe their defense or their offense is in the top 10, one of those. 
but they're just solid, you know, and they've played really good competition. I look at an Iowa, an Illinois, an Ohio State, a Michigan, certainly a Baylor, and I, I would take the field. I think it's just a I think it's a simple bet, really. I, I don't even think it's that hot. Me saying that they're out in the in the I, eight or the sweet sixteen is hot, but not winning the title, I don't think that's hot at all. No, they're not. I, I understand that. My question to you is I'm hearing a lot of well, this team can do this, this team can do that. What about Gonzaga specifically, outside of the quality of opponents they play in conference because they had a pretty decent non-conference to be honest with you. Uh, You're going to ask me what I don't like? Yeah, what do you not like about them? That's, okay, there's not, see, here's the thing. There's not a lot that I don't like. <laughs> this is not this is not an indictment on Gonzaga, the basketball team, when we look up and down because what do you hate, right? They got the twin 19-point-per-game guys with Kispert and Timmy, I love them both. Jalen Suggs is like the number two pick in the draft. You, you've got a, a transfer in in Nemhard and Ayayi, and uh, Aaron Cook does some nice things off the bench. I, I just think that everybody else is going to be more prepared. And when I say everybody else, it's take your pick from the, the pick of the litter of the teams that I just mentioned and maybe some other teams that I didn't. I'm just choosing to go with the field here, and I, I'm siding with the sport and the mayhem over Gonzaga getting it done. They're now in that place where they've got to prove it to me. I'm not picking them to win the title. They've got to actually do it. It's That's like the fair. Browns. It's like the Browns and <laughs> winning something real. You're not going to predict it now. You're going to have to sit back and make them do it for you, no matter how good they get. I, I mean, like a 12-point win over Kansas. They destroyed Auburn. Five-point win over West Virginia. Iowa by 11 points in a neutral court and beat was it Virginia by 23 like yeah and Virginia is just whatever right now they're, they're whatever but to also to put 98 points up on that defense is just incredible and I understand they're not the and same they're 23 old defense. And, and they're 23 and 0 I, and I, I get it all the challenges really came on in the earlier part of the season and I've watched some of the recent games and they've kind of it seems like a little bit of sleepwalking early. I, I know they were pretty close with Sacram or Santa Clara recently. Uh, had a pretty close game early on with Pacific, then pulled away. Yeah, they maybe, just did a tight one yesterday. May, maybe they just were walking right. through it or sleepwalking through it. I, I, I guess I understand that. It's going to have to be a situation where they run in. For me, personally, it had to be a team that gets hot and just is hitting everything from the field, and it catches Gonzaga off, off just kind of blindsided because they've been dealing with this conference that really just isn't providing any pushback. Which happens all the time. And it's again, I will eat so much crow if they get it done. But if this happens and they don't make that final four, then I'm I'm the best that there ever was. Let's just put it that way. If you call that, I'll give you that because I believe I have what you're feeling for Baylor or what you're feeling for Gonzaga, I'm feeling that for Baylor because I'm I'm not sold on Baylor. Too anymore. much of the post I, I just too much of the postponement. They looked really, really sluggish against Iowa State, and I get that they they were coming back from the the, uh, the couple of weeks out. But man, if Jared Butler and Macy Teague aren't really getting going on the offensive side of the court, they can struggle bad. And I, mm. I mean, the the defense season, Mark Vidal is really good in the post, and um, Adam Flagler, he's a really good three point shooter when he's hot. He's one of the hottest in the country, but. Man, when when it doesn't feel like Butler has his feel on the offensive side of the court, that's when they struggle most. And that's going to really concern me when they play. Uh, I'm spitballing right now. If they play a team like 
Florida State a three seed in like the Elite Eight, that's going to concern me a lot because I think Florida State has what it takes on the offensive side of the court and defensive I do side love them. to really yeah. give a scare into a team like Baylor. And they've got they've got a really, really good player in yes. Scotty Barnes. So And he comes off the bench. Yeah, in that, and he's going to be a top 10 pick or something like that. It's it's remarkable, these Leonard Hamilton guys, but he knows what he's doing. But I, I love Baylor, so I'm the opposite. And when I, uh, when I say I'm... You'll have to say I'm the best. You, what I mean is I'm the worst. I mean the exact opposite of that, and I think everyone knows that who knows me. So it kind of feels like it'll be fun. I think a good comparison is what Michigan State did to the Zion Williamson Duke team, which is, I mean, they won a high-scoring game and took them to the limits. I think it was like in the low 90s, high 80s. Like that's the type of game I think you have to do in order to catch uh, Gonzaga off guard. The last thought that I have evil is how the bubble teams are starting to look Mm. and we'll definitely pay more attention to this in the next pod and how this closes out but to see in just Lenardi's say last four in you've got an Indiana you've got a UConn right there and then you've got a Michigan State with the win over Ohio State clearly and Duke as the next four out and we'll we'll talk more because we're running out of time here, and I'm just let's just say I'm completely pissed off about how that game, Ohio State and Michigan State, was <laughs> I am officiated. Too, man, because we it's mentioned rough. that earlier. I just thought that was mm-hmm. an abomination, and there's just there's no consistency. Like y- you'll call ticky tack bullshit in the first half, and then football style tackles will just be called whenever you feel like it. Some will be the fouls, and then just bodies flying everywhere in the lane won't be called at all. You know, a, a guy driving for a game-winning or a game-tying layup, and you get bodied and you get the arm hammered down on the top of the head, that's a foul 100 times out of 100 in this game. And it was just – that was complete chaos, and I've never seen anything like that. So I, I, I do draw a line between saying you get screwed by the refs and you got to play through it, but that was as bad as I've seen. And Ohio State's lost six games already this year now with that, so it, it's not like I've, I've come away with every loss with that thought. But – Either way, that puts Michigan State on the bubble line, and it's a really interesting bubble line right yeah. now with Duke in there, too. Michigan State's got a really tough stretch here, man. They got uh, Indiana, and then I believe they have uh, double games against Michigan. Double games against Michigan I, is right. I think You're so, correct. Yeah, so yeah, I, that's crazy how that I, finishes. They got to get them in. I think they got to get at least one of those Michigan games and then uh, take out Maryland and Indiana in the path, which I do think will then in turn kick Indiana out because Indiana has to finish with both the the Michigan schools and then on the road at Purdue. So um, I I don't like Indiana's chances to really stay on that bubble. All right. Well, that's good for me, man. I kind of don't like having to actively hate on Gonzaga. (laughs) It's going to be tough. I feel like that turned into a much bigger thing, and now I'm going to be like a Gonzaga hater when I don't want it to be that way. It's just sort of a... It's just sort of like a trick and a smart way to try to win your bracket pool. Like pick a, a big top dog. Oh yeah, and go against if, them. If you call them, the field. that's one of those. If you call them out early and you get the payoff, like that'll shoot you up the percentile yeah, chart. Real yeah, yeah. Like if, if I get that Sweet Sixteen exit, I'll look really. It's also going to depend on matchup. I mean, you you could look at like the. I'm just spitballing here. I I've seen teams like. Uh, uh, Texas Tech is like a five seed. If that was a team that kind of came out at the other right? side, I don't. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't like that. Like I, I don't think that's uh I don't think that's a matchup that really will hurt Gonzaga and a Houston or a Creighton could be interesting. Well, a Texas, a Kansas as Cre- a four. Creighton's right? interesting because Creighton's rising. Houston's probably a two right now, so you, yeah, you'd probably see them in the Elite Eight if that was the case. 
Um, yeah, a rising team like Creighton, if they don't get all the way up to, let's say, I think they're hovering around like a four right now. So yeah, if you do catch them in the Sweet 16, like that, that's probably a team where I could understand your take come to fruition. Look at that. We say we're doing a short podcast. It turns out to be normal length <laughs> in the end. Anything else, man? No, that's about it, man. It's it's going to really ramp up here with a lot of a lot of conferences shoving a lot of games in a short amount of time. It's going to be really interesting to see which teams can swim and which will sink. Well, everybody, get your rest. Enjoy the hoops. Big weekend coming up here. Conference tournaments, the small ones are starting to pick up. And then the big dogs will be right after that. And then we'll all have our hair on fire just hoping that we can get teams COVID-free and going to Indiana and playing in the NCAA tournament after we lost the big party last year. And it depressed us as sports fans more than more than ever. I think mean, probably more than any uh, sports thing in our lives. So I can't wait for it. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of Mad About Hoops.